and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Mark Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah and Ollie Glanville after potentially one of the most stressful, what the fuck, head scrambling games that we might see this season. Um, a 1-1 draw with Manchester City at the Joy Stadium. I don't even know how to begin up some, summing up this game. I guess the headlines were City went ahead. Alex Rooney was then sent off for two yellow cards after about half an hour and Chelsea slogged through to eventually find an equaliser despite City then going down another player when Lauren Hemp was sent off. Abdullah, I'll come to you first. How are you processing this game? Because I'm not sure if I've processed any of it yet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're an hour removed from the game. I'm still extremely confused as to what just happened because... Like that was, there there have been bad performances, but that was down there with one of the worst performances I've seen away from home. Like we've 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 played some games away from home. We've been not great, but you've come away with saying, oh, "Okay, fine, you kind of deserve that point or three points." This was just horrific. I mean, and against nine players, yes, I know we talked about it. It's slightly harder to play against eight, nine, or ten players, but. That just felt like we were nine men down and they were the ones killing us on transition games. I was extremely surprised. Everyone looked off pace. I I don't know is the answer. It's just, it's weird. Yeah, I think weird's the best way to sum that up, Ollie, really. Yeah, I mean, look, listen, it's the perfect storm. You know, we're at the Joy Stadium, um, or was City Academy Stadium, and now, you know, it's our first away game of the season. And... Quite frankly, you know, they could have, she could have sent off another seven players and I'm not sure we would have scored in any other way other than the way we actually did. <laughs> it just felt very much like one of those days, um, which actually, as a counterpoint, made the ending a little bit sweeter than it probably should have been. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, um, just going to read out some of your guys' reactions. Um, up the trail says, just oof. JC says, can we say anything other than lol? That's really where I'm at, actually. Uh, Jack says, what the hell happened in this game? Uh, RLP2134 says, big respect for attempting to say something about this game in an hour instead of just glaring at a wall for the next three to five days. If I could, I would. RLP2134. Uh, Neom says, worst game I've witnessed in a long while. Only a bit of intensity from the players came when we got the equaliser and then it was too late. So, yeah, I think generally... The reaction, which fairly seems to be, is like this sense of relief, Abdullah, that we did eventually get the equaliser. And I was just saying before we came on the recording, I don't think I celebrated a goal like that since maybe either Marin's penalty against Leon or Sam's equaliser at the Emirates last year. Um, I do just feel like a crazy amount of relief that we didn't drop all three points. But the reality is we played 60 minutes of this game with a player up. And actually, basically, it's more like 70 minutes because there was 10 minutes out of time. And we played 20 minutes with two players up and we could only score one goal. See, when you say it like that, it's just like, what have we done? How have we not gone and beaten this team like 4-1 or something like that? But then when you watch the game, you're like, I don't understand how we are actually only 1-0. We only got to 1-1 and not losing 2-0 or 3-0. I mean, the amount, I mean, when Ruby Mace and Bunny Shaw came on, that was like 
a defender and then the striker who's also hardly played. She's been battering us on the counter. Ruby Mace makes this weird run down the right flank, beats Neve Charles, gets across, and then they almost score a second goal. I was like, that's the intensity we needed, we could have had because we we were we were the player advantage up. And yet City were doing that. So I mean, yeah, the goal itself, I was just like, I was in disbelief when the goal went in because I was half expecting when the first goal length clearance happened in that scramble that the second one would just get cleared out. And then when the ball actually hit the back of the net, I was like, wait, what, is, what, what happened? Did we actually score? And I was like, we have literally committed a crime. We have stolen a point from the Joel Stadium and we are going back. Because at that point, I was kind of like, City are going to score again, aren't they? In the, in the 105th minute. I that thought we were that. Go- I, I, was really- with you. I was freaking out. <laughs> I was like, City are going to go ahead and score like the 100. We could have gone on to 120 minutes the way this ref was giving out extra time. Like we could have had extra time in just stoppage time. This was, it was insane. So I really felt like we committed, we committed a crime. We took away a point. And you know what? What makes this even better is that United... And Arsenal also drew on Friday. This literally is the only thing that's saving this game is that they drew and we drew. So like, okay, all the top four teams potentially have all drawn their games this weekend. So you can almost breathe a sigh of relief. But really, it's just, I'm just surprised we didn't lose that game and went away with zero. But Oli, we've also, I guess, got to talk about this WSL away game curse. We thought we had a first game of the season curse, but I think Harry Edwards has nailed it. We've not won our first WSL away game for six seasons in a row. So we drew 1-1 here. We obviously lost to Liverpool, lost to Arsenal all the first day of the season, drew with the United on the first day in 2020-21, drew with Brighton in 1920. That game also we needed like a 93rd minute equaliser from Adelina Engman of all people. And we drew with Bristol City in 1819. So... Is does it just make sense that we played at least played City like we never win this away game we never win City away like let's just make them add them up together. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad we got it out of the way to be honest. <laughs> um, like it, you know, if we add them both together, at least you don't have to deal with the same thing twice, right? Um, but yeah, it, we we did feel you know we always traditionally start slow under under Emma, right? Um, it's the case that we we build to a peak and then we sustain that peak for the run-in and we get run-in Chelsea, right? And we've always gone on and on about that every season. Um, it did feel we played City at a bad time for us, if that makes sense. And I really feel like they'll be absolutely distraught about not winning today because everything they put on the line, I feel like they couldn't have defended any better. I feel like... Uh, you know, the debutant goal could, couldn't have been any better than she was. I mean, she even saved the, you know, the first header from Millie that got scrambled in. Like, pretty much everything went for them in terms of the performance, despite, you know, all the things that went against them in terms of the, the red card and, and bookings and the frustration they had. So it felt like up until we scored, it was like, you know, a massive moment for them and, and, comms uh, especially on bbc were saying you know this is potentially season defining and all this stuff so within that context for us to then just find a way like because quite frankly that's what we did at that point it wasn't crafted or brilliantly put together or whatever it's literally just it fell to guru she was composed and she found a way and 
it felt like conversely a kind of big deal for us to be honest because I feel like if we'd come away against 10 and then nine especially all those chances in in added time yeah it would have been massively massively deflating but getting that goal feels like almost a win because we always play catch up usually and all our competitors we're around now we're level on points with so you know way to go yeah and listen don't get me wrong if you told me before this game that we take a point from city away like i'd have been totally happy with that it's the one game i really go into every season and that i expect us to lose to be totally honest um just because city are so strong at home um and we particularly seem to have a bit of a mental block over that space. I really thought when Neve Charles scored that spectacular volley in the Conti Cup how many years ago, that was us being freed from it, but apparently not. Um, we've seen that obviously last season, this season. So to that extent, you know, we did get a point in the context of the game. It's really hard not to feel like it is two points dropped. And that is going to be, segue, my three-word match review, because that is kind of how I think we will, as we're kind of doing this as immediate reaction, obviously, but as the sort of week wears on, I think it's hard not to feel like that, even if we are still huffing the high of Guru Wrighton's late equaliser. Um, some of the three-word match reviews that came in from you guys, Rob says one point more, Carter says Emma's lucky blues, Chelsea Pride say thank you, Guru. Up the trail says take the draw. Megan, undeserved but scrappy. Amy, more yellows needed. Uh, I think that one's sarcastic. Um, but honestly, it made me laugh, I will say. We'll obviously get into the refereeing decisions in a bit. Meg says we move on. And Bong's official says hate playing City. Ollie, what's your three-word match review? Yeah, my one, I think, was bundle of joy, I think, because... Way! <laughs> Had to get in and they yeah. <laughs> just yeah, they're kind of relief in that moment with Guru scrambling over the line with the, the classic trademark Guru um at the end. Um we love to see it. Shame we couldn't get another massively unjust winner, but we move. <laughs> uh Abdullah, what's your three one match review? Take the point. That's it. Do we just take the point? We go committed murder, we've committed a crime. I'm just gonna take this theft. We've run away from the police. He's going to go back home. We're going to pretend like that never happened. Or actually it did happen. And we remember in a good way that we took a point And we just chill. We just go on to the next game. And we pretend like, you know what? We've got the hardest game of the season out of the way. So positives there. So just take the point. Yeah. I mean, I will say we have a very nice run in front of us. Basically into December. Um, our next six WSL games are pretty nice, all things considered. Um, so yeah, take the point and run, I think is a good is a good attitude. Okay, let's take a, a break here and then when we come back, we'll talk a bit about the game. So I think let's start by sort of digging in a little bit to the game as it was before the red card. So the red card comes after 38 minutes. And I think there's quite a lot of interesting things to dig into this bit of the game, actually, which you know, in footballing terms, there's a lot to talk about why Chelsea were bad after the red card, but it's obviously a totally different uh, setup to play against 10 and nine players than it is in that sort of 11 v 11. Uh, the lineup today was Musevic in goal, Carter and Bright at centre-back, Charles on the left, Ashley Lawrence on the right, 
Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Ingle in midfield. Gura Wrighton on the left wing. Lauren James on the right wing. Jess Fleming is the 10 with Mia Fischel up top. Ollie, any surprises uh, from this lineup for you? Um, I think Aaron Cuthbert coming back into the team immediately slash Satira Musevich starting were the two that, that maybe stood out for me. Yeah. Um, also, Jesse Fleming. It was kind of a wild card for me. You know, we we, we talk about what she can offer and, and how Emma sees her and her profile. Um, but moving Lauren out to the right-hand side, where we know how devastating and effective we, she can be in the middle, felt like a really interesting tactical decision, especially given that Erin we know is no when if fit as well <laughs> so and and that was quite obvious during the game right um and the same when sam came on it felt like you know these were minutes to build rather than like obvious minutes where they were going to be able to show their full potential so yeah jesse starting was really interesting to me um and we got a few moments before the red card where she burst through and it was like okay that's the that's the idea right that's that's what we're going to do here but the vast majority of the time it didn't quite click and I think that's probably because Erin wasn't fully fit and that kind of great interplay we had between Erin and Sophie on the back end of last season um, couldn't show itself because of the difference in fitness right um, I also thought Ashley Lawrence coming in on the right was something that you both flagged um, coming into this I, I thought it was still an interesting decision because it's her first start and it's a massive massive game but these are the you know these are the games you bring her in for right and um yeah i, I thought it's a really interesting lineup so Chira, i think there's more to this akb stuff i'm sure we'll get into it but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean maybe let's start actually with with Zachira because i feel like Zachira and erin both have roles to play in the goal that we conceded after seven minutes um neep charles i think actually was someone who I thought had a very good game for, for most of most of the match. Um, she does really well sort of closing Mary Fowler down. But then Chloe Kelly picks up the ball and spins Cuthbert in a way that is just feels like exactly what you don't want to do with pretty much any of City's forward players on the edge of the area. Kelly takes a shot. It kind of ricochets off Carter, which I think wrongfoots Musevic. Um, but the shot is still pretty much straight at her. I just think because her body's already going one way. I still wonder if AKB makes that save, Abdullah. I don't know if that's harsh on Musevich. I just think with AKB's reactions, they are better, in my opinion. Um, and I think maybe she readjusts her her body better. Although it did kind of have shades of the, the angle doll goal that we conceded there with AKB in goal and that was a bit of a weird I can't remember exactly what happened but that was a bit of a weird like body shifting moment where AKB did get it wrong but this was a game whereby it felt like going into it we were going to talk a lot about Musevich and then that goal happened and then the way the rest of the game panned out it means she's kind of like not got away with discussion but it was an interesting choice and I don't know where you stand on sort of her fallibility for the goal yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think I will put while yeah, I okay, to, to kind of run it back on the goal itself, I think yes, Aaron should have closed down Chloe Kelly a lot faster. It, to, to me, the whole movement initially felt really like in slow motion. Like Kelly turns, Aaron Cuthbert just kind of stands there, and then she realizes, oh wait, she's gonna shoot, and then she kind of goes in for that sliding, sliding tackle and to get the block in, which I thought was half a second too late. I think if she had gotten in 
half a second earlier, I think she gets the block in. So I think I think that's one. I actually thought that Carter getting the deflection actually put the ball in Musevich's way. I guess she gets wrong-footed and she goes, but I feel like that, that actually gets the ball to come towards her, straight at her. The only thing I can probably put it down to is the sun being in Zichira's eyes is the only excuse I can probably give Zichira because it really felt like it was coming right towards her. All she had to do was put a hand up and that gets tipped over. So I'm inclined to think that and agree that I think AKB saves that. And we've seen AKB specialty is to do these sorts of things where you get these long range efforts or you get these clutch moments where AKB just makes those saves. You're, I think all you, I mean, you touched on it a second ago. I, there has to be something more to this whole goalkeeping situation because how AKB doesn't start that game, I don't know. I guess maybe it's Emma's way of saying, okay, maybe she's told the chair, you are my undisputed number one for the first, let's say, six WSL games of the season. And even if you make a couple of mistakes, I will keep playing you to prove yourself. And you have six games to show me, you know, you are capable of being Chelsea's number one. And of those, we have AKB in, in the wings waiting. So I, I have to think that that's probably the only reason why she started this game again. Um, but yeah, I think for the goal, I think I think just closing her down. I think I think a fit Aaron Cuthbert stops that in its tracks. And I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a problem, which maybe then surprises me. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Because it's a big game, but maybe Shukaniskin could have still continued in that in that number six, being the more match fit player. Yes, it's a big game, but she is match fit, so that was probably where it could have been. But I, I lay the the blame maybe slightly more on Musevich than I do on Aaron Cuthbert, just because of the fact that it was an easier save to make than probably what it looked like because it was coming straight at her. Yeah, my kind of personal theory around all of this has always been that Hay sees Musevich as a better as better with her feet than AKB and that in a game, for example, like against City, whereby we normally, well, you expect them to have more of the ball and that they're going to press you high. You want someone who's going to be more comfortable with making those passes. My disappointment in this game was that I actually thought Musevich was pretty rubbish at that. And then even when, even before the red card and then after the red card, there was no real sense of Musevich sort of, stepping forward and getting involved in build-up in a way that felt like a really obvious way to allow us to push up and put pressure on City. So if that is like the rationale behind it, that you sacrifice some level of shot-stopping in favour of better distribution, I personally don't think that was in evidence at all in this match. Um, Let's talk about just quickly then some of the yellow cards because Ollie, I think for me, it was like, oh, when the ref gave a yellow for Lebron James, because that was the first yellow in the match. And I thought it was a harsh yellow. And I thought, wow, this is like the way the game is going to go. And Alex Greenwood gets her first yellow six minutes after LJ does. Neve Charles also gets a yellow before Alex Greenwood. So, and these were all for tackles. And I think what's actually interesting is lots of the outrage about the red which came if you don't know from Alex Greenwood getting a second yellow for time wasting almost ignores the fact that I think a lot of these original yellows were the ones whereby the ref kind of put herself in a corner because she'd given them all already and then if she thinks that's time wasting I mean that's another debate um but then she she can't she has to send her off so It's quite interesting, right, seeing that we've seen this in the men's game as well. There's this obviously this real 
sort of clamping down on time-wasting dissent, but also in the WSL, we're seeing something that we've asked for for a long time, clamping down on on challenges. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, we, there's this kind of um, experiment people always talk about in terms of a thought experiment, like what if a referee stayed consistent with their first half through a whole game and was forced to give out yellows for the same the same type of thing all the way through the game and that's what happened <laughs> you, you can't say the ref wasn't consistent it's just that the sheer scale of yellow cards is just kind of mind-blowing when you consider i think man city she gave like four bad fouls and then there were like seven yellows or or something like that but um the vast majority of them were for talking back to her or time wasting right um what I will say is I did think the second yellow for Alex Greenwood was was harsh and she did take 26 seconds. And, you know, I think if she'd done one less, like, stumble to then pass the layer, then, yeah, I think she wouldn't have got the yellow card. And I just think that was one too many for the referee. But it's like, if, if the referee is in this mindset where literally everything that's a foul is a yellow card, like, Lauren was barely like a yellow neve was barely a yellow they're like kind of pullbacks that you're like okay that's a bit cynical but it's maybe not like a clear yellow card right in that context to then say okay i'm gonna push my luck here was a bit like okay are we gonna do this like <laughs> it just seems a bit silly and similarly for lauren hemp like to talk back to the referee for which was a corner a, a clear corner as well like it came off you, Lauren, right? And then, then seconds later, or like minutes later, to go, I know, I'm gonna literally piggyback Lauren James here because why not? And it's like just, it's just silly. But I, I get that in the moment and in the context, there's this massive frustration based on you know the 38th minute of uh, Alice Greenwood being sent off. But like in the context, to continue to do that is just silly. And I think maybe it made us a bit more passive as well. There was this massive kind of lack of aggression that I that I so characterised with with Chelsea women. And maybe that was down to Erin not being fully fit and things like that. But just across the pitch, City felt so much more like proactive and switched on than us. And maybe that's why they got so many bookings as well. And maybe it was a discussion about being more passive in this game. But it was a mess. It was a really big mess. And um, yeah, there'll be a lot of discussions around officiating after this game for sure. And I think Emma and Gareth after the game had their fair share of discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Emma kind of coming in and stirring the pot, but not quite saying the refs have come in and told us at the start of the year, time wasting any back chat would be a booking. That was made 100% clear to us. That's how our team understood the season. I'm proud of our players and yellows for their discipline. But she did then go on to say that the question is, were any of the like were those things in the bounds of of what's acceptable there? I do think I totally agree with you on the hemp thing and just a lot of the city yellows. Like ultimately, we can't know what was said to the ref, but like I think you've got to be careful there. And I did see someone say like you know most of these yellow cards wouldn't have been given last season. I mean maybe not, but like if you're chatting shit to the ref, I kind of think you deserve to get a yellow just because it's idiotic more than anything else. Um, I will say that when LJ got her first yellow after 11 minutes, I was like, oh my God, this was even before the Greenwood red card. I was like, Oof, I really hope LJ managed to stay on the pitch. And the fact that she did, even after, because she got frustrated a lot in this game. And I was like, 
please, please just keep your head. Um, so she did um, just another Emma Hayes quote from sort of before the red cards. And then, Abdullah, I want to ask you about, about what you thought about something from before then as well. Uh, Emma Hayes said, I'm going to focus on the game. It was a really slow start from us away from home in front of a big crowd. It's the most difficult place to come. They did everything we prepared for, but it took us too long to grow into the game. Sending off alters that. And something that I thought that was really interesting that we had prepared for and was something we talked about, obviously, in our preview was what they were going to do with their inverted fullbacks. Now, Leila Harvey, for some reason, wasn't available for this game, even though City appealed her red card from last week, which was ridiculous. That didn't get turned over. So we had Esme Morgan playing on the right and Lai Alexandre playing on the left. And what I really liked, which Ollie's kind of alluded to, is that we started LJ on the right wing which meant that when Laya inverted, LJ went with her so that when the ball then turned over, LJ was exactly where she wanted to be on the ball. And City kind of killed us, I thought, on the first 10, 15 minutes. They were all over us. I felt they kind of, they didn't create a lot of chances, but the goal wasn't against the run of play. But in the sort of 25 minutes from that that opening period up to the red card i felt like we really got on top of them and i really liked this tweak that that we did do which i thought was a really clever way of using the specific profiles we have to deal with city's tactical setup yeah i agree i i, I do i do like this whole um generally i like city's whole lie alexander inverting from from left back into into midfield i feel i feel like she's she's a perfect candidate for that but i also i, I also like the fact that Emma Hayes saw that and went, okay, fine. We want LJ to play more on the interior channels. So what better than to put her up against a fullback that is going to do the same thing and show you into that side, right? So that's where she's, that's where she wants to go. And to kind of isolate that, um, that area there, it actually technically just made space for Ashley Lawrence technically to, to, to really run down that right wing on her own and kind of control that. And I'm assuming that's why she started over Eve Parasite because she's the better fullback going forward. Um, I I thought it was I I th I thought in in yeah like you said the first twenty minutes, I think City just created a lot more in transition. I f I felt like whenever the ball got into midfield or towards their kind of defensive midfield area, when Laya and whoever else was in and around that midfield area, whether it was Angadal or or whoever, they would come in and they would kind of win the ball back there next to Jill Roda Hasegawa and then just transition for. I just felt like the first I think generally the entire game City were just so much better in counter-attacking and transitioning than Chelsea were, even when they were eight, 10 and 9 players down, uh, down to 9 or 10 men. Um, Mary Fowler, I thought, was exceptional. Uh, but I, I think LJ could have taken a lot more advantage than she did. She had a couple of her moments where she hit the ball, she hit the bar, she got into good positions. Um, but I think credit to City in the sense where their defense kind of closed down that space a lot better than I thought they would, right? I mean, yes, you have Flyer coming in and doing that, and you kind of use... Uh, you kind of back LJ to win that 1v1 battle. But then Greenwood, Kennedy, Hasegawa, even Jill Ward put in a shift to kind of come back and, and block the spaces out. And I felt like Chelsea didn't adapt to that as much as I thought they would do and kind of change that up. I just felt like for the first half, it was just constantly, let's just try the same thing. Uh, I think, Oli, you, you talked about it uh, when we were, during the game that it would just felt like Chelsea were waiting for a star player to come and do something rather than actually adjust and change the game. And I felt like, they were just relying on maybe Lauren James to kind of come inside and, okay, she'll wiggle out of a situation, get in a shot, a wonder goal, and we're just going to go 1-1, and then we can kind of go back and start playing football. But obviously that didn't happen. I felt like to readjust back to City, they they went back and they did that really well. So 
I think something needs to change where Chelsea need to have this not she they don't they they can't over rely on Lauren James to bail them out of a situation every single time. Yes, she is the best, probably the best player on the ball in tight situations, but you have other players there you can use as different outlets to to, to play. And if a, if a team has a specific tactic and you are able to do it, that mid-game adjustment is probably what Emma was really good at before. Um, I, we haven't seen it too much in this game, and it's only until the changes kind of came in that we said, okay, now we're starting to see a little bit more play. But yeah, I think in general, I think City just better in transition and, and, and defensively, I thought they did actually pretty decent. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree after that. I think, also think that Gareth Taylor quite cleverly snuck in a tactical change with the sending off that we didn't adjust to it at all until the second half and, and more changes on, on our behalf. And that kind of shut down that channel that we were thinking about with um, James Mojave. And it, it meant that we were limited to kind of pot shots as well. And to your point, like a lot of the players we turn to, like Guru, you know, Lauren, and all the players we, we kind of, say a, a brilliant on the ball and we want to give you the ball they weren't really there today like it was almost like it was bouncing off them the crosses were over hit the passes were over hit and it just it just felt like one of those days where yeah it it felt much harder than it should have been in terms of like going there and again as as you said jesse like it feels like a mental block when we go to that stadium and if emma's saying it then you know the players are feeling yeah, definitely. And I think I think City can obviously feel hard done by for, for the red card, but it was just funny to me that their goal kind of came off a deflection or maybe like a deflection sort of helped it. And then it just felt like though the ball would not bounce for us. And like credit to City because my assumption was that even though we didn't look very good, that I just thought playing that amount of time with 10 players would mean mistakes came in and maybe you can say that Hasegawa not getting the ball on the line is a bit of a mistake I just think from there it's it's really hard to kind of like try and save that with your shin basically um but that was like I think really like justified credit to City who managed to to really keep their heads Emma said afterwards Gareth's coaching unit of 10 then 9 Kiara and Goal had a good game grateful to equalize after some labored attacking play it's a reminder you have to work for the results despite your numerical advantage. In the grand scheme of things, it's a point gained and a missed opportunity all at once, which I think is a pretty fair way to sum it up. Abdullah, I I think we can talk a little bit more about what happened in this game with some of the questions we've had in, but just before we we go to our second ad break, what would you like, what would your approach have been from when we were down to 10 in terms of how you wanted Chelsea to look to play the ball because I saw Yash, who we've had on the show a couple of times at Audrey's Light, if you don't follow him, um, put out a viz which showed how well City were able to really block those central areas, forcing us out wide. But that's normally something we're actually quite good at. Is it just a case of like, okay, it was like a day of not individuals or do you think we needed to be doing something else to like help create better opportunities, help move City out of position more? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think I think first of all, you're right. I think we're usually really good in the wide areas and creating from there. But for some reason, I felt like Chelsea were just insistent in going down the middle. And usually when teams go down with a red card or two red cards, they just want to block off the central areas. They're happy to give you the width. They don't want you, anything to happen to the middle. And 
in, in this case, I felt like maybe even switching to a a four three three with having three more advanced midfielders rather than having a, a, a pure ten could have really helped the game. And then you know we had Neve Charles on the pitch, we had Gurrighton on the pitch. Obviously, Lauren is on the right hand side. Ashley Lawrence didn't have her day. Yes, some of the individuals didn't come through, but I felt like we could have done more to, you know, give them give them the space. I felt like in midfield we didn't really have a passer today. I, I don't really feel like there was an incisive passer in the, in midfield today, which I think Shukaniskin did a did a decent job against Spurs last week in uh, in in that sort of role. And Aaron's usually good at at, at the passing game, but as today, just again, she just felt off pace. I feel like. Maybe using Yelena Kankovic in that in that eight when she came on, she did play as the eight. Maybe using her more rather as a, as a kind of a driver for midfield, give her that license to use her passing range a little bit more and really get you know get the wingers out. I think bringing Eve Perisay I thought was a good move and I thought she had a pretty decent game alongside Neve Charles in, in the second half. And I think probably allowing both of them to bomb forward using Neve Char- uh, sorry using uh, Yelena Kankovic to get those balls up. Maybe even moving Lauren James. Central and bringing maybe Johanna Ritz and Canaret out to the right hand side, especially against nine men. I thought this was a game maybe tailor made for Canaret to come on and really just punish. Uh, La- and Lyle Alexandri got onto a yellow card, and I think the seventy fourth minute. So I mean, if you have a winger running at you and you've got to commit the foul, then that's that's a chance of another red card going there. So I, I felt like a couple of players could have come on and really bring it out to them and really create that difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and when you have okay. Samka was was kind of off pace, but when you have Sam, even a half fit Samka, you give her enough chance that she's going to score, right? And and I felt like we didn't give Sam enough service. She had that one couple of chances in 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 late in in the second half. I think there was that one header that hit the post towards the end. You give Sam a few more of those chances. I'm I'm pretty sure she would have scored one of them. So for me, I would have brought in a couple of players, really get an incisive passer in midfield and really you know, push that out. But, you know, I think that's the one thing I feel like Chelsea lack right now is a really, really, really good creative passer in midfield. Yeah, I will say just for both for Sam and for the players who were creating for Sam, I thought you could tell that Sam was not ready to come into this game. Hayes basically said that they had to take, they felt they had to take Fischl off at halftime. She put Sam in sooner than wanted. And I thought Sam got into good positions. That header that went off the post would have been a really nice goal if it had gone in. But there were also moments where I thought she just couldn't get up and around play anywhere near fast enough, whereby I thought Keating had a great game. And lots of what she did very, very well was the way she plucked the ball out the air. But far too often, it felt like there was like little to no pressure on her. And I do wonder if Fischl had been able to stay in the game, whether that might have looked a bit different, especially in that second half. Um but yeah, I think obviously that's just like one of those kind of frustrating things whereby, you know, you can say about Aaron as well. We've got sort of players coming back from injury, coming back from absences, coming back from playing a load of minutes at the World Cup. And, you know, I think that would be fair to say about Fran when she came on. I just thought she didn't look up to the pace of the game either. And that's potentially one of the things that's hard when you're at the start of the season and, you know, the new players are getting up to speed everyone sort of playing their early season minutes plus then you've got a load of players you're trying to reintegrate into the squad okay let's take another break here and then we will get to some of your questions so ollie this one from chloe is a very important question we have to start with this how do we get rid of the hex that is placed upon our players when they enter the academy stadium 
yeah, it's a really tough one. <laughs> City get relegated? I don't know. Let's let's. <laughs> I don't know what the. I don't know what the. City answer. get relegated on fair play minus points because they've had three cut red cards already this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but in all seriousness, I think it is a clear mental block. I think we just need like a blowout result now. I think we just need to go there, whether it's in... But we had that when they were all know. injured. I think we did it twice, didn't we? We win 3-0 there in the league and in the FA Cup. We did, but I'm talking like... like six just nil. Yeah, 6-1. <laughs> just like a completely random, like, oh, we can actually do this here. And, you know, cause, because the, the idea, like we go to the Academy Stadium and Emma's talking about the big crowd and, and uh, you know... It's a really hard place to go, but we've played in bigger stadiums. You know, we've we played against Barcelona and didn't particularly look overawed in, in Camp Nou and, and delivered a really good tactical plan against them. It just feels <laughs> like we just need to find a way of just, I don't know, like change the colour of their shirts in your mind. Like there's there's got to be some kind of way of overcoming that mental barrier. I'm going to go up there and find whatever has been like buried under the ground. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a torn up Katie Chapman shirt that's been put under the like first stone that was laid at the stadium. And we need to rescue that and burn some sage. And then who knows? Who knows? Um, Okay. Moving on to some of the less serious and important questions we have to approach. Abdullah, I'll, I'll pass this one over to you. Siva says, do we think Emma will improve how this team gets through the thirds under pressure against top teams? A very clear weakness, which hurts in Europe very often. We have better personnel for it this season. And I actually think this almost applied as much to the first 15 minutes as maybe it did to later on. But in that first 15 minutes where I did think we were struggling, there was just this sense of like, we still don't see ourselves almost as a ball playing team. And I do think with the quality that we have, even against City, who will hold themselves up as sort of the best in the league at doing it, that we should be better at dealing with pressure. And there were some nice moments, I will say. I thought we did, like, string together some nice things out from the back, but it just felt like we didn't have this ability to sort of consistently build up. Too often we are still looking, in my opinion, to just play that long ball up the pitch rather than having a more fluid a, a more fluid team in general, not like a fluid attacking line or a fluid midfield, but in terms of just being able to move through the third. I agree. I I, I do think that Emma Hayes will get it right eventually. I think because of the squad that is there and, and, and these these vast uh, players that we have available to us, I think there will be a time where she figures out that starting 11. Not to forget, we have Frank Kirby still to come back fully fit. Aaron Kasbach has to be fully fit. Sam Kerr has to be fully fit. So Kat, Kat Macario has to come back. So... Once Emma has, I think, even two or three of these players fully fit and ready to start 90 minutes, I think we start seeing that better. I think there is, I think your point about us going long, I, I agree. And I think that's probably down to the fact that Emma what maybe doesn't, I don't know how true this would be, but I don't. maybe Emma doesn't believe in the passing ability of whoever she has in the double pivot so much so that the ball is trust, not, not trusted in terms of them picking up possession in, from, from the back, but I think being able to then try to be able to move from that position 
forward and then passing it out. And I, that's where I feel like, again, while Yelena Kankovic is, the, is a really good dribbler, I think she'll, she has the best creative passing in the squad from a midfield position right now. And while Lauren James can do that, uh, moving, you know, in, in the forward areas, and and we've got a, you know, we, you know, we've got Shukanuskin who can come in and can do it from midfield. I really feel like, eventually, I weirdly think I think Yelena gets a spot in that starting eleven because of her passing. Because I think that if you're gonna, if you, if you, like you said, we seem to see ourselves as this long ball counter attacking team, but I think there's gonna be a moment with the players that we have that we will maybe transition into a 50-50 hybrid where in moments where you require to be a bit more ball possession, ball heavy, get it through the thirds, you've got the personnel to do that. And in game, in maybe big, big games, maybe against a Barcelona, let's say, you have to revert to type and play this long ball football. I think we can do that. But I think to get that balance right, you need the right skill set. I think between Yelena, Shuka, and Aaron, I think two of those three probably need to start. And then you get someone there who's a little bit better of a pass. And someone who's maybe willing to take more risks in their passing, maybe more than actually being creative, take those risks and play those ball forwards. I don't think we've had someone do that since G left. And I think G was the the crux of our midfield in, in being able to transition us out from the back. Even though we were playing that way, I felt like whenever G got the ball you knew that you were you were getting some incredible passing out from the middle. So I think for me, that's what's missing in terms of this um, being able to get out of, of pressure. Yes, the players are good at receiving the ball under pressure, but I think it's what they do after that where I think we can improve. And once we get that, I think we will be a lot better against these bigger teams and and, and, and really exploit the space that they that they give us by pressing our midfield. Yeah, and, and Ollie, it's interesting. We had a Chris question come in from Chris, which touches on some of the things that Abdullah's just mentioned, um, saying sometimes like today, we just pump it forward and spam crosses. Uh, it was a bit like watching Arsenal play at Liverpool last week. Do you feel like Chelsea miss an elite passing creator against low blocks? Feels absent since G and Kirby of old. We have dribblers like James, but who can be that passer for us? And James was the player who was really relieving pressure, I think, in that opening 15 minutes. And that was a big factor in how we were able to get more into the game. I thought it was interesting that Chankovic came on at half time for Ingle. But I also felt like the justification for Ingle starting in the first place is that she's maybe meant to be more of this kind of passer. Where do you think Chelsea are on this? I will say I absolutely adore Jisoo Yun. And I think she is one of the greatest players ever to play for Chelsea. I do think she is benefiting from not currently playing from Chelsea in that there's this idea that like G would bail us out and she would bail us out a lot of the time. But I've also will say I have seen Chelsea play games like this before with just G so young in the team. So I think sometimes it's just like tactical decisions and game state. But do you feel like there is someone in this squad who has the capacity to like elevate themselves to this level? Yeah, no, I completely agree with Abdullah. I mean, we've discussed it loads of times in the past. I think, I think Yelena is the G replacement, ultimately, medium term. She needs to be, or someone in the squad needs to be given the same license Emma gave G to risk things, to take risks, to try things, to, you know, loop the ball over the top, to do like ridiculously risky skills in the center circle to beat two people, to, you know, give you that opportunity going forward. I think what was most interesting today was that even with against 10, against nine, we were still going central. You know, we, there's still that kind of control aspect with, with Emma where 
she wants the striker to be involved at all times and not just from you know wide crosses she wants them to be involved in build up because i think if you lose the ball off your striker they're attacking the center of you right so she can then populate the middle area and the rest defense can just clean up right that's basically her kind of safeguard there when you play wider you risk more counters wide and i guess what she basically is worried about is not only the kind of maybe risk taking or passing ability of of us in the middle but also yeah the, the capacity on the cover of our like wide uh, defenders and that seems ridiculous when you've got Ashley Lawrence and and Neve Charles and their their brilliant recovery pace but I do think against a team like Man City Emma feels particularly like perturbed by that when you have Chloe Kelly you have Lauren Hemp you have these players who will just eat you on the break like they will literally <laughs> take anything you give them and just take advantage of it so I think there's that kind of again perfect storm of Emma maybe thinking that to gain control in these type of games you need to play very centrally and have like a, a have Mia as the point of a vanguard and I think we were trying to force that up until the sending off and it wasn't really bearing fruit because Mia was being marked by two right she was like <laughs> she had people running through the back of her a lot of the time and that probably didn't help with the tight groin she has so yeah I think there wasn't an adaptability there. But going forward with this run of games that you're talking about, Jesse, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this team shows its starting 11 and that kind of build and who gets the freedom in that middle third. Because there will be a player who gets it, whether Emma gives it to her, you know, explicitly or not, they will get that freedom to play. And I think it will be Chankovic at some point, probably off the bench to start off with but I think we just have to see Nuskin and Cuthbert because to me that is our best pivot there and the sooner they get started the better you know Erin's not completely 100% fit at the moment but we need to get them involved and this next run of games we need to see the kind of basis for the rest of the team going forward even though we have this incredible squad I think we need to explicitly decide the relationships and that's what Emma does so so well year in year out is define who works best together in a team and then they make up the blocks that make the whole yeah and I think it's really interesting for you to talk about like who has permission to do what they want because the answer for me is right now the person who has permission to do what they want at Chelsea is Lauren James and maybe it's an interesting way of thinking about it and we can debate whether that's like successful or not or the way to go but perhaps one way of reframing it is that Emma's not looking for a g-level creative player in the sense of being a passer because she's already given that creative freedom to someone whose profile is actually more about dribbling and carrying the ball so I guess if that is the case then the question is what do you want the players around her whether that's because uh, James is out wide and so you've got three midfielders there I guess a bit like today, whereby, you know, Fleming and Cuthbert are very active midfielders. And to that extent, you expect them to harry and win the ball back to provide James with the space. Or equally, if James is going to play in the middle, what do you then want the wide players to do? What do you want those players behind her to do? Um, it's an interesting way, I think, to to think about how Emma wants to 
set up this team and then there's then a supplementary question of is that worth it is what James offers on the ball enough to sort of justify that or do you still need someone else who can pass it in that way and I do think you know the development of Chankovic and Shukanuskun across the course of the season and indeed seeing like maybe Leupold's really like coming back and getting a good run of games all three of those might have really interesting roles to play in terms of how they support build up and attack so I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on and and I agree Ollie I think you know, City is a game that Chelsea will have gone into it expecting not to have much of the ball. They ended up in a scenario where suddenly they had loads of the ball. Our possession for this game was 65%. Like, that's easily going to be probably our most at the Academy Stadium potentially ever. Um, and so I think as a result, that like changed Chelsea's game plan quite significantly. We'll probably have a better understanding of Chelsea's in-possession ideas against in these like upcoming games um you know starting with West Ham next weekend just one final question um I'll put it to both of you it comes from Rob which was the worst call from a referee the penalty at the Emirates last season uh that was Neve Charles's foul uh which I believe was outside the area Rosella Ayan's volleyball goal against Manchester City that was Rosella Ayan's hand of God moment or Greenwood's red card today. I'm going to come in hot and say, by worst call, if you mean what is my favourite moment, the Rosella I am handball against Manchester City will never be defeated for me as one of the all-time great WSL moments. If I ran the National Football Museum and had the opportunity to curate a WSL room, hit me up, National Football Museum, I'm available to do this for you, I would have as an art installation Rosella Ian's handball goal against Manchester City. Um, in terms of like, it probably still is that. I don't understand how the referee didn't see that at the time. But Abdullah, which do you think is the worst call, the worst refereeing call of the three? I was going to say that because that was just a blatant, obvious handball where you go, there's no contention about is it, is it not? It's a handball and you've just let that go. Like that's just no like that should never have been a goal but you know we move at least with Greenwoods today you can kind of sort of say yes it was a ridiculous red card but by the letter of the law quote-unquote it is time-wasting and you are the ref is entitled to give a yellow card for that as stupid as it is it's like well you know the rules doesn't matter how stupid the rules are if you know what the rules are like if this was never a rule and you were given it I can 100% agree like okay that was ridiculous. Since when was that a part of the rule set? Blah, blah, blah. But it, it is. I mean, Emma said it, right? We've been told that these things are going to get, no matter how stupid they are, they're going to get called out for. And if you know that's going to happen, then why do it? Um, so, yeah, I will go for Rizalayan's volley, you know, hand of God goal against City. But, you know, it helped. So that's also another reason why it's 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 nice. Yeah, it has to be Rizal, right? Iconic. It's uh, Pete Barclays, I think, how how you would describe it. But yeah, I think Leah Williamson's handball at, at like Kings Meadow was pretty that wild. That is wild. <laughs> we have a new entry. Ding 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 ding. Oh, yeah, right. That one. Yeah, yeah. Ollie yeah. wins that one. Ollie wins that. Okay, guys. Player of the match. Um, I'm gonna pick Jess Carter because I just want to shout out her for that insane tracking back she did on Chloe Kelly. Ollie, you mentioned the sort of fear of those players, speedy players running at you. And Carter, I mean, 
she's long said that she's one of the fastest members of the Chelsea squad. Lauren Hemp has said in the past that Jess Carter is the hardest player to defend against. Tim Stillman, I saw, said that he thinks Jess Carter is the best 1v1 defender in the world. So I'm giving it to Jess Carter on behalf of Tim Stillman. Uh, Who do you want to give it to? Yeah, no, um, I completely agree with Tim. I, I think that moment perfectly sums up Jess, right? Just the the level of responsibility that she now gets as standard. You know, she is essentially our, our last line of defense now. And I wouldn't want anyone else there. I literally would not want anyone else there. When that ball went through and Chloe Kelly's breaking, I'm thinking, thank God it's Jess. Because <laughs> if anyone else is there, I'm thinking, you know, she can outmuscle them. She can burst past them with pace. And I just expected, it's it's harsh to say, but I just expected just to, to come back and win that. And perfectly timed side challenge as well. That could have gone wrong. You know, the, the shoulder barge to get her out of the way. And then just rebuild as well. It's it's like, that is just Jess Carter now. That is the level she operates at. And quite frankly, I'm I'm so, so happy to see like her get her flowers now because it's been such a long time coming. 100%. Abdullah, are you going with Carter as well? I mean, it's, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? It sums up everything about some of our attacking that we're all picking a defender who had almost nothing to do because we played most game with against 10 players. But is there anyone else who stood out for you? Anyone you want to give an honourable mention? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with you guys on Jess, but I'll give I'll give Neve Charles a shout out. I think coming in as 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 left back again, starting the game, um, and and you know to everybody's surprise, at least in the first game and even now possibly in the second game, um, I thought she had a quietly decent game. Didn't make any mistakes that you could look out and say, well, that was a mistake. And I don't think out of all the players that were there, she was the worst. I thought she tried. She put in a shift. She had a couple of good moments in the attacking third. She defended well. Uh, I. I I thought Mary Fowler was was causing everybody issues, but I thought she she semi dealt with that well. So yeah, I'll, I'll give an honorable mention out to Neve Charles. I, like I said last week, I think by mid season she's the undisputed starting left back for Chelsea. I like your style. Yeah, I thought she had a good game too. Um, okay, let's just run through everything else that happened in the WSL. Uh, as Abdullah alluded to at the top of the show, United and Arsenal drew two two. Chloe Lapas. Uh, scored a late equaliser there, an absolutely fantastic goal um, in a kind of uh, an interesting game. I think there was lessons for both teams. Um, I would maybe say Arsenal were slightly better, but I feel like a draw was a fair result. West Ham surprisingly beat Brighton 2-0. So anyone who said Brighton was going to be in their top three might have to revisit those predictions on the second weekend of the season. Tottenham beat Bristol City 3-1 and I've been handily informed by my little elf in the script that Leicester are winning at Everton, meaning that Leicester can go top of the table depending on what happens in Liverpool Aston Villa, which is the late kickoff today. Abdullah yes. is cheering because he is a Leicester fan. Um, Chelsea's Upcoming matches, we are at home against West Ham. Raham Skinner comes to Kings Meadow before we play Brighton at home. Then there's an international break and we go to Villa away, Everton away. We've got Liverpool at home and Leicester at home. And that's that kind of potentially quite nice run um, that takes us up to, I think roughly takes us up to when we go away to Arsenal, which is our next sort of big, big game. And Chelsea fans, I want us to finish on a positive note. So 
I'm going to share the copium that I have been living in after this game. And basically, I've concluded we're four points up on where we were last year. Because last year we lost the first game of the season and we lost City away. So I think we're on course for 62 points. And with that, Chelsea fans, I will say thank you for listening. You know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>